This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's up, Midas Mighty, and welcome to the Midas Touch Podcast. And for those watching live, what's up? Thank you for watching us on the YouTube live version of the Midas Touch podcast, which people seem to truly love. We have an incredible show for you today. We have Scott Dworkin, co-founder and executive director of the Democratic Coalition. Scott is one of the pioneers of the resistance uh, on digital, on socials. Scott started off, you know, with one follower. I think Scott told me the story I want to ask him about. He was at a football game right around the time Trump uh, was running. And he's like, we have to do something to resist this authoritarian <laughs> fascist and didn't even know how to send a tweet and then got from one follower. I think he's got close to a million uh, followers right now and has built it's an incredible right platform wow. with the Dworkin Report podcast as well, supplementing his digital activities. And brothers, how are you doing today? I just want to say one thing that I got a just laughing and cracking up this weekend. When I see the Midas Mighty educating their friends and other people about what a cock spot <laughs> means, it is... Uh, it, our uh, our our parents, uh, I think, s- separately texted us and said it kind of sounds weird hearing other people say it um, <laughs> in, in public. And for those Midas Mighty who have no clue what we're talking about because you didn't watch the Cock Spot episode, and if you didn't, parents, shame on you. Shame on you. Watch all of the Midas Touch <laughs> podcast so you can be in on all of the inside jokes. But growing up, our parents taught us. Um, I mean, when we were like four or five years old, that a good parking spot was referred to as a cock spot, spelled C-O-C-K spot. And so our entire lives, we would tell friends and others that that's a cock spot until we realized that that really isn't the way you refer to a good parking spot. But now we've ingrained that in the heads of the Midas Mighty. So it's a movement right now. It's a, it's, a it's, movement. A, it's a total movement. It's been amazing to see it. I've been Every video, every post about it. I mean, it, it honestly warms my heart. Should, should we should we play the clip? I think Jerry is probably watching right yes. now. Yes, uh, of her. Hey, Jerry. Uh, this is a Midas Mighty follower who was introducing. Cox I think Midas Mighty followers redundant. Just Midas Mighty. A Midas Mighty who was introducing one of her friends to a cock spot, and the confusion on her friend's face face really made my entire day. This is very funny. Let's play this quick clip. I think you got a cock spot. What? A cock spot. What? You know what a cock spot is? <laughs> the perfect cocking spot. I think you're right. <laughs> it's a movement. It's Let's a total go. movement. It's a total movement. <laughs> he's so confused. Poor guy. He's so, yeah, of course he's confused. <laughs> if you just go up to a man and tell him he's got a cock spot, 
the first thing he doesn't think about is that the parking spot that he's selected. He goes, do I need to see a doctor? What's there's a spot where <laughs> huh? what's going on? Well, let's talk contagious? about someone who absolutely <laughs> needs to see a doctor going in from the realm of Midas Mighty to the realm of uh, what's going on in current events. Someone who needs to see uh, a doctor who need to see him long ago, man, is is all of these. GQ peers. I don't know if you're seeing with the nothing makes them matter. It's the ultimate litmus test than to see the United States Olympic teams compete Mm. for gold medals in Mm -hmm. Tokyo. Um, I I, I guess it began with um, I think it's kind of in the DNA of the GQP just to root against the USA. I mean, at this point, they are uh, pro Taliban. You know, they're friends with all the bin Laden relatives. Um, they support insurrections. It sounds they love fake. seeing American. Like, it lo- sounds like made up, right? You're like, these guys got to be exaggerating a little bit. You're telling me that they're friends with the bin Ladens. Like, come on. You're telling me that they're rooting against the American U.S. Olympic team, Team USA. Come on. They wouldn't root against the Team USA team, would they? But no, that's it's actually what's going on right now. It's what we're witnessing with our own eyes. Well, play the clip at the Loser Palooza tour um, with former guy uh, going after the uh, women's soccer team. The U.S. women's soccer team is a very good example of what's going on. Earlier this week, they unexpectedly lost to Sweden three to nothing. And Americans were happy about it. You proved that point before I even said it. So there you have it, rooting against the women's soccer team, genuinely booing American athletes, not just the women's soccer team, but uh, tons of American athletes uh, cheering for their defeat. Could you imagine we get to this? I mean, it seems to make sense. If you support an insurrection, I assume you're going to, root against our our team in the olympics that's a good point there's no team they hate more too than than the u.s women's national soccer team they just hate anybody you know who makes a political statement in favor of democracy they are petrified because they are a fascist movement and if you start threatening the fascist movement they they take it as offense so it doesn't matter like in trump's world and this is part of what fascists do, what authoritarian leaders do. Any dissent needs to be quashed immediately. And it's not about following what's good for the country. It's about what's following what's good for a single man. So if this is a threat to Donald Trump, if this is a threat to the Republican fascist party, then it needs to be quashed. Even if that means going against America, you need to put your foot down right away. You need to boo that. They are the enemy if they are going against you personally. And Republicans keep doing this at every every stage in the game. They are just have become increasingly anti-American. And it's shocking to see. I mean, even somebody who I disagree with on basically everything and I thought was a terrible president, Ronald Reagan, would probably be rolling over in his grave right now if he saw what was happening with the Republican Party. They root against the U.S. military. They root for Russia. They mock and attack the Capitol Police. They boo the U.S. Olympic team. They fly the Confederate flag and Trump's flag, and they idolize Confederate generals. And these are the people out there who are calling themselves patriotic. We love America. We're the real patriots. Fuck that. You don't love America if you're doing those things. And look what they're doing. Speaking of just quashing dissent, 
You know, we saw over the past few days with Representative Kinzinger, with Representative Liz Cheney, um, who were invited by Nancy Pelosi to join uh, the January 6th commission, which should be and is uh, nonpartisan in nature. It's why was there an insurrection? Why did law off law enforcement officers lose their lives? Why were they attacked? Why were so many people injured? Why did our lawmakers almost lose their lives? Why did the vice president almost get killed? Fairly non-controversial topics where the GQP has full-fledged supported the insurrection now. They're full-fledged in support of Ashley Babbitt um, and the terrorists who stormed the Capitol. The GQP calls these people political prisoners. They idolize them like they idolize that written house. You know, they idolize, you know, all of these white supremacist terrorists and hold them up as their heroes, notably just like like jihadists do in the Middle East. I mean, like the people who are the suicide bombers who are who are idolized by terrorists. It's really no different than how the GQP views Babbitt with that same fucking imagery. If you actually look and you put some of the imagery of of just what the GQP looks like, just even their stylized font and kind of this, it is WWE-ish graphics um, and and kind of idolizing these individuals like G.I. Joes, um, like figures that kids play with. You, you can almost put it side by side and see direct comparisons to what the GQP um, what the GQP does here. It's funny you say that. I mean, did you see the Texas re- representative who literally compared the Republican Party to the Taliban as if it were a good thing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, goes, yeah. he was talking about a, a Texas, this horrific Texas law, which is rewarding basically people to become bounty hunters in mm. Texas. And they are giving them $10,000 for reporting people who get illegal abortions under Texas law. You get abortions because Texas basically has made they're, abortions because they're illegal. making so abortion. Anybody illegal. who you know who has an abortion or, or the clinics that give abortions, if you rat them out, um, you get rewarded with $10,000 that is taken from the person you rat out so that you're basically creating a police state um, yeah. while also taking away a woman's right to choose. And so the Houston Chronicle wrote an opinion piece that was called Texas law rewarding abortion tattlers resembles Taliban more than America. And this representative in Texas, Matt Schaefer, this was his uh, rebuttal to the Houston Chronicle piece. He said, fact, even the Taliban oppose abortion. Now, I don't think you want to compare yourself to the Taliban. I don't think that is as good of an argument as Mr. Schaefer thinks that it is. And it goes along with what you're saying. It's that this faction in America is a radical faction, no different than radicalism that we see all across the globe. This is the terrorism that we've been fighting for the past multiple decades. Now it's just here and it's homegrown on our own shores. And we need to be extremely careful and extremely vigilant. And we need to do everything we can to root out the scourge of homegrown terrorism in the United States. Yeah. And look, the GQP are the Taliban at the end of the day. I mean, they are they have very similar beliefs. They're very similar extremists. They represent a loud, vocal, small number of people who want to subjugate the majority of the population who just want to have their rights and go out and and live normal, you know, freedom loving lives and to live. And these people are the ultimate death cult. Going back to this January 6th commission, though. Um, Liz Cheney 
Adam Kinzinger will be a part of this commission. The commission starts on Tuesday. We'll be talking to law enforcement officers who were there, who were attacked to go over their experiences, what they saw, what they observed. And already there is a push um, by uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, GQ peer. Um, and this is a push to punish Kinzinger and Liz Cheney for joining this commission. Now, they've already stripped Liz Cheney of her committee roles. Kinzinger has no voice whatsoever in the party, you know, at all. And now they further want to punish him. I don't even know what the punishment can look like um, at this point. But the fact that they are attacking these individuals who want to come and get the truth on what happened on January 6th, that just goes to show you you can't do any deal with these congressional GQ peers if they're retaliating against their own for supporting an investigation into an insurrection. You're telling me I'm supposed to talk to these people about infrastructure? I'm supposed to talk to these people about our defense budget? I'm supposed to talk to these people about health care? These people are psychotic. You can't have any conversation with them about anything. Kevin McCarthy was completely outplayed by Speaker Pelosi or like just completely outplayed. He is totally not in her league when it comes to this sort of thing. This started off, remember, they wanted to do a bipartisan investigation into January 6th. Kevin McCarthy opposed that bipartisan investigation. So Speaker After Pelosi- calling for it first. I mean, after, we have the clip. Yeah, we have the clip on January 6th or 7th of Kevin McCarthy calling for it. So play that clip. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. These facts require immediate action by President Trump. Accept his share of responsibility. Quell the brewing unrest and ensure President-elect Biden is able to successfully begin his term. And the president's immediate action also deserves congressional action, which is why I think a fact-finding commission and a censure resolution would be prudent. All right, so there is uh, McCarthy calling for an investigation into January 6th. Obviously a much different Kevin McCarthy because Kevin McCarthy just sways with the wind. Whichever way the wind blows in his party, at that point he thought, oh, maybe people are going to come off of Trump because he committed a terrorist act against the United States. And then the next day he was back into being the Kevin McCarthy that we know and hate. And so that's him calling for it. And so that's what the plan was. We were going to put together a bipartisan commission to investigate January 6th. McCarthy adamantly rejected it. He opposed it. He started backing Trump's lies all the big lies about the election loss. So ultimately, Speaker Pelosi decides, you know what we're going to do? We're going to create a select committee because we need to get to the bottom of January 6th. If McCarthy doesn't want to investigate, we still need to get to the truth. This is one of the most horrific attacks ever on American soil. It was an attack committed by American citizens against the American government, and we need to get to the bottom of how this happened. So that happens. Kevin McCarthy then puts five people forward, two of which are Jim Banks and Jim Jordan, who were both insurrectionists who were very much involved in the attack itself and have just been arsonists the entire way through and in every investigation they ever did. He knew that would be a non-starter. So what does Speaker Pelosi do there? She kicks off just those two and lets Kevin McCarthy have the other three people come on board the select committee, which would still make it an incredibly fair bipartisan committee. Then 
McCarthy pulls all of his people out because he's an asshole. And what does Speaker Pelosi do, though? Does she seek retribution against them and say, OK, fine, it's just going to be a Democrat run only panel? No, she reached out to Republicans who are interested in finding the truth. Speaker Pelosi has outplayed Kevin McCarthy this entire time, and this is a true bipartisan commission to get to the bottom of the truth. And I think Speaker Pelosi has actually handled this brilliantly. I think no one is buying Kevin McCarthy's bullshit on this and his his lies about this not being a bipartisan commission. And he, today he called them Pelosi Republicans. I mean, if you're calling <laughs> these people Pelosi <laughs> Republicans... If a pro-democracy Republican is a Pelosi Republican, that says a lot about the other Republicans mm-hmm. in the party. Mm-hmm. If Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney, she voted ninety-seven percent with Trump. <laughs> Liz Cheney, you're calling Liz Cheney a Pelosi Republican <laughs> is the craziest thing in the world. That just shows that you have become Mr. McCarthy. You have become the party of Marjorie Taylor Greene. You have truly become the GQP. You are psycho. Oh, we have to pull. We Can we pull that clip when we had the mooch on our podcast? People just need to just watch that clip. I know it's a throwback, but I just need to, I need everybody to hear again, mooch's takedown of McCarthy <laughs> on the Midas Touch podcast. It's one of the most cathartic things, the most 60 seconds of catharticness you will, you will, here today. Just play that. McCarthy has morphed into this principalist coward. Okay. But where Kevin is now in his life, he's my age, he's 57, looks like shit. Because what happens is when you're working for Donald Trump, he's poisoning you from the inside. Okay. Now, the good news is, good Lord, save my ass. I got ejected like an Austin Powers villain. And so I got saved from that shit, but he was putting the poison in these people. And that's why Kevin looks like he's fucking 200 years old. No, I just think, uh, I just think the mooch, so the mooch good. absolutely so nailed good. it. But hey, that hey, clip no. is ever, evergreen clip now. Like we can evergreen play that at any time because Kevin McCarthy will always be a pathetic coward <laughs> and, and will always fit into exactly how Scaramucci labeled him to be. It's fantastic. Before bringing in Dworkin, we have to give props to Dan Bailey, Jordy. Absolutely. Dan Bailey, what a beast. And if you don't know who Dan Bailey is, Dan Bailey is known as Montana Man on Twitter. I have not stopped watching the clip of Bailey since it came out. For those of you who haven't seen it, I don't know who hasn't seen it at this point. I think everybody in the world has seen this clip of Dan Bailey in a, uh, I think it was like a fisher, like a bait and tackle shop in Yeah, Montana. it was like a fly fishing fish. Um, ran into Tucker Carlson, with whom he despises, and uh, just gave him a, a little piece of his mind. Uh, told him that you are the worst human being known to mankind, and had a little just uh, talking to to Tucker. So we'll play it here. It's, it's a little hard to hear, but listen carefully. I don't care, man. Okay, just dude, you are the worst human being known to mankind. I want you to to this state, to the United States, to everything else in this world. I don't care that you're not here. What you've done to people's families, what you have done to everybody else in this society. There you have it. He said, you know, I want you to know that you are the worst human being known to mankind. <laughs> what you have done to the state, what you have done to the United States, to everything else in this world, what you have done to people's families. 
And then Tucker goes, Tucker stops. First, Tucker right away. Let's break down the game film. Tucker is extremely uncomfortable here. And this is a guy, Dan Bailey, who like has to be the guy who Tucker thinks is his base, right? Absolutely. Like you see Dan Bailey at the Montana bait and tackle shop in his plaid shirt. You think if you're stereotyping, you go, you know, Tucker's probably like, oh, this guy must be a huge, you know, Tucker fan, must be a huge Fox News guy. And then this guy comes up to him and tells him the truth outside of his little bubble. And Tucker is just so shocked. So shocked. And and Tucker immediately puts his hands on the man, which I thought was like a weird defense mechanism. Like he puts his hands right on the guy and the guy is just very calm and talking to him. First off, these sorts of fights and conflicts are just like hilarious in general to me. Like any sort of public conflict is just inherently funny to me, just regardless (laughs) of what's going on. And then uh, Tucker doesn't really know how to react. And he says, after he says, you're the worst person known to mankind. First, Tucker's reaction is to say, I appreciate that. That's his, that's his deflection. I don't even know what he's getting at, but, but I appreciate that. That's what that. makes the clip so good is that he's literally just talking. He's just saying, you are the worst human being of all. Just very calm, cool, and collective. And then Tucker notices the camera and he does his weird like cackle joker sort of smile and laugh and then turns back. And then he calls the guy, he goes, settle down, son, which he's lucky Dan Bailey is a calm, cool, and collected man because telling somebody settle down, son, to me is recipe for like a punch in the face. Like it is amazing. And by the way, we didn't, the Dan Bailey dude's a big dude. He's, I I don't know how tall Tucker is, but Dan Bailey was looking at least six, four, six, five. I I really want to know what happened after the clip cut off because the clip cuts off and Dan is still talking to Tucker. But I, I love that sort of confrontation, honestly. Like I think that, all these people should be approached every single day outside of their bubbles in a polite, calm manner, the way Dan Bailey did. But I think too often Tucker is able to hide behind the Fox News desk and he's able to just spew whatever sort of hate and lies and division he wants. And he thinks he gets a free pass in the world. And he tried to use his daughter in the clip to get a free pass saying, oh, my, my, my daughter's here, actually. Da, 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 da. And it's like, OK, my problem's with you. I'm not talking to your daughter. Your daughter's in another place of the store. Let's let's chat. Let's chat about this. And I mean, it's, it's really the only way to break through to these people and show that they're actually impacting people's lives. Like they, they don't realize it as Swalwell said on our show, they think this is all some WWE style bullshit show, but they are affecting real people's lives and they are killing people quite frankly. Yeah. And you know, someone like a Tucker Carlson got the vaccine and the Hannity's of the world got the vaccine. These are people who are laughing at their viewers. It's exactly what Congressman Swalwell said. These are people who think this is all a game. And are literally kind of pillaging and robbing their base and spewing lies. You know, it's just interesting, too, that the amongst the members of Congress from the GQP, you notice when they're asked the question, well, have you gotten the vaccine? Their response is always the same. Well, that question violates my HIPAA rights, uh, my right to health privacy, which HIPAA has nothing to do with you on your own divulging if you have or haven't gotten a vaccine. Yes, it does prevent a medical facility from sharing your confidential medical records. That's what the HIPAA law is all about. And by the way, that issue of medical privacy is a federal government law, the same federal government that you rail on, but that you're going to cite HIPAA as the reason that you can't say whether or not you got vaccine, we got vac- how cowardly is that? If you don't believe in the vaccine and you're out there spewing this anti-vax 
lies that you're out there t- telling about and somebody asks so 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 you've told everybody you know don't get it and don't trust it did you get it and you go i cannot answer that question because of hipaa you know that's kind of like taking the fifth amendment <laughs> it's kind of like you know pleading the fifth and you have every right to plead the fifth and you have every right to not say whether or not you received the vaccine but the person waves the fifth amendment when they go out and start talking about what they did or didn't do, you could waive that right. In the same thing here, morally, you waive that right the moment you go out and you inspire people not to take the vaccine and then you get asked the question. That's the thing at the end of the day, why Democrats and the coalition we are building is going to win. Because at the end of the day, we're not cowards. We stand behind our principles. You want to ask me if I got a vaccine? Tell you, yeah, of course I got the vaccine. We'll tell you what we believe in. We're against the insurrection. It was like the Ronnie Jackson, the representative who was shockingly, (laughs) when you look back on it, he was President Obama's doctor, this guy. He was his physician. And now he's going out, he's going on TV, and he just makes up lies about President Biden, saying that President Biden's going to resign because of dementia, saying, you know what the proper question is to ask? The proper question is to ask the Democrats if they had been vaccinated. And it's like, yeah, no, everyone's done that. And 100% (laughs) of the Democrats have said they've been vaccinated. So it's a ridiculous thing. But what, what do you think of like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's obviously running for governor of uh, Arkansas. She put out an op-ed this week that said, she wrote, read my column in today's Arkansas online on why I decided to get the Trump vaccine. That's how she positioned it. And she talked about the benefits of getting the vaccine and how if it's good enough for Trump, it's certainly good enough for me and my family. That was her whole pitch. What did you get? Well, Trump's not out there telling people to get the vaccine at the end of the day. If, if, If it was your vaccine, you'd be out there saying, I mean, look, he talks about his hotels. He talks about the PGA. He talks about health. Surely if he believed this was his vaccine and people should take it and it was something that he was proud of accomplishing, he'd be out there every single day telling his base to take it. And he would judge himself by the accomplishment of getting the base to take it. But quite the contrary, it is to spread disinfo precisely because the utilization of vaccines has been exponentially better by multiples that are are, are even beyond comprehension under Biden. And because there wasn't a Trump vaccine at the end of the day, it was done by private companies, um, particularly pioneered by Pfizer and Moderna, who didn't take any government funding whatsoever. And they were the ones who got to the market quickest, who didn't take government funding. Yeah, they were not a part of of Operation Warp Speed. (laughs) What do you say? I said they were not a part of Operation Warp Speed. They were not part of the Operation Warp Speed, which, by the way, you know, is the stupidest, silliest, juvenile (laughs) name for something when you want to, you know, address and confront, you know, a serious global pandemic. But at the end of the day, I'm not out there, you know, saying, you know, we need to I need to just it's it's all Biden's. It's all Biden's. Give Biden credit. At the end of the day, I'm applauding Biden for getting the vaccine out to the people. That's that's what I'm applauding him for is saving lives and saving people's lives at the end of the day. And so, look, if at the end of the day she wanted to call it a Trump vaccine and encourage people to take the vaccine publicly now with a muddled message, call whatever the hell you want to call it. I want to get people healthy. But at the end of the day, her base is spreading lies and disinfo and are killing people. And they've done so to a degree that has made it virtually impossible for anybody to break through. And to that end, Brett, play the clip from the Alabama uh, governor. Um, And the Alabama governor today 
um, you know, she was asked about the vaccine. Um, Governor Kay Ivey, um, let's listen to what she told reporters. The new cases in COVID are because of unvaccinated folks. Almost 100% of the new hospitalizations are with unvaccinated folks. And the deaths are certainly occurring with unvaccinated folks. These folks are choosing a horrible lifestyle of self-inflicted pain. Besides, you know, this emotional plea you just gave us, what is it going to take to get people to get shots in arms? I don't know. You tell me. Folks supposed to have common sense. But it's time to start blaming the unvaccinated folks, not the regular folks. It's the unvaccinated folks that are letting us down. That's it. Governor Kay Ivey, Republican governor from Alabama, um, you know, sounds like a Democrat. Right. If you were to say what this is, what's so crazy. (laughs) It shouldn't sound like a Democrat. This should sound like a normal human being. That's what's so crazy about that. If you were to say. Without even telling somebody the state, you were to say, what political party do you think this person's from? (laughs) Unquestionably, you would say Democrat, which which is absurd. We should almost should, clip. Should, we should like just clip off that thirty-second segment. Uh, put the big R next to her name, write her name out, where she's from, and just air that on TV. Yeah, I mean the problem is though is they have seeded so much disinformation into their followers right now. The GQP. It's that anytime somebody comes out now, they're like, "Oh, we lost one. Oh, look, they gave You're in right. to yeah. the globalist whatever." Da, 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 da. Like they just get angry at the people who then start pushing them to be healthy. And their whole thing also, which is like a whole catch 22 of getting people to be vaccinated because these people don't want to listen because they're like children is they go, oh, you know what? I'm not getting vaccinated because the vaccine, you know, X, Y and Z disinformation. I'm not going to repeat it. And then, you know, you say, well, actually, the vaccine is safe and effective and da, 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 and you should take it because it will save your life. And they go, I don't want to be told what to do by you. Why are the Democrats pushing this down my throat? We saw the guy on the fucking yep. intubator in the hospital saying that I didn't want anyone shoving this stuff down my throat. Well, bro, guess what? You have a tube shoved down your throat right now because you're in the hospital. And you might fucking die because you didn't listen to this information. And anytime a Sarah Huckabee Sanders, a DeSantis, uh, any of these people come forward with this stuff, they say this same thing. We don't want you shoving this down my throat. Why are you doing this now? And they have just so poisoned the minds of their followers that it's going to be really difficult to get all these people vaccinated and ever reach those hopes of herd immunity that we've heard about for so long. I mean, it's it just yeah, herd it's immunity frankly, through the through the vaccine. So I want to come back from uh, from these messages. I'm excited to talk to Scott Dworkin, co-founder and executive director of the Democratic Coalition, friend of Midas Touch. I want to hear Scott's take on the future direction of the resistance. We will be right back with more Midas Touch podcast after these What's up, Midas Mighty? Have you checked out the Midas Touch store yet? You could do that at store.midastouch.com. We got all the best pro-democracy gear out there. Ben is wearing one of our retro designs right now. Jordy is rocking our Vax and Relax tees, which you can get on the store right now. But we got plenty more where that came from. And this is breaking news. Our red, white, and blue Vax wristbands are shipping now. Thank you for all your Woo! patience. We are so excited to get those out to you. And we will only be selling those till the end of this this month 
July. So if you want one of those red, white, and blue Vax wristbands, make sure to go to store.midastouch.com. Jordy, what else we got up there right now? We got our Vax and Relax. We got our Club Democracy. We got it all up there. And we got the really cool Vax AF mask. So definitely check that out if you get a chance. Store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. We are joined by Scott Dworkin, co-founder and executive director of the Democratic Coalition, host of the Dworkin Report podcast, one of my personal favorite podcasts when I'm not listening to Midas Touch and all around very close friend of Midas Touch, Scott Dworkin. Welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. Thanks for having me, brothers. Appreciate y'all. Scott, just want to start off by saying thank you for your support of Midas Touch. Um, You know, for a long time, you've been the leader, you know, in this space, the leader of the resistance online, on digital, and you created an incredible platform. Um, And it was an honor that um, you would showcase our work in our early stages and uh, just developing this friendship with you over the past 18 months has been um, something that I've truly uh, looked back on as one of one of the proudest things when I look back at what we've accomplished on Midas Touch is just building a friendship with you. We definitely, we needed it. Um, you know, I remember, I don't know what the timeline is because it's COVID time and before then, <laughs> but uh, we needed more folks like y'all to come out. And, and luckily we had talent like y'all and, and we, we're connected through friends and um, it just was, it just was perfect in regards to what, how you presented yourselves and the arguments and the fearless attitude and uh, you know, pouncing through the fact that people who, you know, attack digital organizing and how that they try to act like it's downplay it and the value of it when in reality it's the most important thing in politics right now. Um, so I, it, it really is. Uh, I don't, I, I'll just say this and I know that, you know, some people may not agree, but most would, um, you know, Joe Biden is in the White House now, uh, thanks to y'all's efforts. And I know it's a team effort and whatnot, but he would not be there. We would not have won Georgia. We would have not have held the House and won the Senate um, without y'all's help. And that's just a fact. No, we, we greatly appreciate that. And our view was we had to stop sitting on the sidelines and just do something out there. And there are so many great organizers, so many great digital activists, so many great activists who were in uh, communities, black and brown activists who deserve, you know, huge amounts of credit. And at the end of the day, it's people just coming together to do something as we tell them, just do something. And that was really how the democratic coalition formed. I mean, really a pioneer uh, in this space. I mean, when nobody, um, was doing what you were doing um, on social channels years ago. Um, so for all the people out there who don't know what the Democratic Coalition is, one, they must be living under a rock, but we understand podcast audiences may be a bit different. So just tell us what the Democratic Coalition is for those who may not know. Sure. Well, we're an activist organization that helped organize the resistance against uh, Donald Trump. We were formed in early 2016 uh, by bunch of different political consultants. I was in politics since uh, 2002 now. Um, So what happened was I went to a football game uh, in North Carolina and I saw a bunch of people waving around Trump flags. And uh, until then I was in the bubble and people were like laughing about it and being like, this guy's such a joke. Look at these ugly red hats. Uh, And then 
when I, I, I remember seeing people and even friends that I knew from college waving around his flag, having their hats on, and with, with the enthusiasm that we had with Obama in 2008. And I was terrified. And uh, I called some friends, uh, you know, John Cooper, um, uh, Nate Lerner is, was, was involved, Jared Geldner, who's since passed, uh, and Chuck Westover, and, and some other people who I, I, we got together, we had a meeting. And I was like, listen, like, they're not taking him seriously. We need to do what we can to try and stand in his way. Uh, and, and so that's what we were trying to do. We started on Facebook and then uh, Chuck was like, hey, you know what? You should try tweeting. And I was like, no one's going to read anything I have to say. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then uh, I guess there was a guy who was a West Virginia delegate who threatened Hillary and said that she should be hung on the Washington Mall. And I was like, OK, this is going to get a lot of people hurt. Like, we can't just sit back here. So what can we do? If anything, like, let's look at every option we have available. Let's look at this guy. Let's find out more about him um, and, and why he said this. Uh, and we found out that he was a pilot for a commercial airline. So we're like, okay, we should publicly push. I, I think it may have been United. We should publicly push them to suspend this guy for this kind of rhetoric. Um, we should publicly push West Virginia state legislature as long as it, you know, we knew it was a far flung kind of effort, but, um, we should push them to censure him or do something, um, but pu publicly pressuring them online and then getting activists in person. Uh, and then he ended up getting suspended from his job. Uh, and then he also got censured and eventually, I believe, resigned uh, from from the uh, House of Delegates for that action. And when we did it with a, a bunch of other people, you know, Senator Burr had to go and, I guess, hide under his hole after he uh, also alluded, made a joke about Hillary getting shot. Um, close to the election. And, and that kind of method was how the resistance per se in regards to the online activism portion was, was born. It's just pushing back in every single way you possibly can because we were just losing our country. We could see it, you know, uh, in front of our eyes. And so that's the Democratic coalition is just about pushing back and doing the things that the Democratic Party couldn't or uh, wouldn't do. Uh, and so, you know, from there, there's there's a bunch of you know, the resistance was born. We were one part of massive effort, obviously. Um, there's the Women's March, Move On, uh, labor unions, uh, the Democratic Party itself and all its uh, outlets from there. And then the great new organizations that have come out of that, No Dem Left Behind, um, you know, uh, Demcast. And uh, I mean, we have a bunch of partners that you guys also partner with um, around the country. And so obviously might as such as well. People did, in fact, listen to your tweets starting off with one follower now in 2021 the last time i checked you have close to one million followers earlier in this interview you stated that think digital activism is one of the most important if not the most important form of activism today why do you think that it, you know there's a middle road i guess uh one one thing you can do you know phone calls are one thing where you not, you're not going to reach a lot of people nowadays. People have a lot of blocks on their phone. Um, you know, emails do one thing, but again, people get a lot of emails every single day. Um, you know, filtering through the crowd uh, and making sure that you actually amplify your efforts. Online is the best way to go for that and to be most effective because you can take that online effort and push it uh, offline. We had a, an example is when we heard the rumor that Mueller was going to be fired, 
uh, we just set up an, an alarm kind of system and got every organization. We just pushed that real hard. And there were, I mean, there had to have been hundreds of thousands of people that came on, on the streets and peacefully protested for that. He did, he did not fire him. And I'm not sure if he actually was going to fire him, but I'm sure he probably wanted to fire him, you know, since day one. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think digital activism is something that's the most underrated by far. Uh, people like to scoff at it, but when they're scoffing at it, they do it online. They try and trash you online. They try and poke you online because they want to get a hook on it. They want to say something quirky. And I think the, the reality of it is um, folks like me and you all, it, 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 what they like about us is that we're real about it. We're not trying to get clicks. We're not trying to get likes. We're not trying to get views. We're just trying to tell the truth. And people, I think, hook on to that and they can tell. And when we make mistakes, which is few and far between, but when we do make mistakes, we admit it, we own it. Uh, and we confront it and then we try and avoid those kind of mistakes again. And I think people respect that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's a tough thing to be involved with because you're going to get hit. Um, you know, we've all been hit in different ways at different times uh, for disgusting kind of slander kind of pieces. Uh, you know, they try and hit you where it hurts, where it's an audience of one for y'all. It's an audience of three where they're really trying to get at you. So you slow down or stop your activism and uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but every time there's a hit piece of some sort that comes out about me, which is not many, but the ones that have, it just fuels my fire. It makes me work so much harder. Um, so I'm the kind of guy who, you know, I get something like that and I'm just like, I, I pummel through that uh, real quick. But yeah, I think, I think that people, when you look back over the past five years, digital activism will be what led us to... Uh, you know, getting our country back. And, you know, especially, especially during a pandemic, it was everything. I know Ben has more uh, questions to ask you, but I just wanted to say, I think it's ironic how everybody acknowledges the impact of digital in the negative direction, right? Everybody acknowledges how digital has radicalized people, how it's created this QA non-movement that has taken over America, how it created and orchestrated the January 6th attacks that was all organized on digital. But Yet, when you say, hey, well, maybe you could actually do positive things on digital, too, and raise awareness and get people to vote and go to the polls, people say, ah, nah, digital's not real life, man. Digital. <laughs> no one like, listens oh. to it. No one listens to it. No one listens to Facebook and Twitter when it's in the positive direction. Yet, that wasn't that the whole issue with 2016. <laughs> like, that was the whole thing. Cambridge Analytica, Russia, foreign influence. It was all that social media is the most impactful force that we have. And that's why it is so frustrating when you see these voices write it off and they're the same voices who write the article about how influential it was in Trump. So I, you know, I, I, I'm sick of it. I don't want to hear it. And I'm, I'm happy to be working alongside you, Scott, in this mission. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> I, get, I think, I think there's been just from my account, 5 billion impressions. And I've been like, you're going to make an impression with 5 billion impressions, let alone like last four months on the weekends and Saturdays and Sundays, just for fun. I started asking questions about silly stuff like burgers or hot dogs or something along those lines. Um, we, we've had hundreds of people who, whether or not they really did this or not, I'm not sure. Some of them sent proof with their cards or whatnot, but people got vaccinated. And that is just the most touching thing of people who were not vaccinated. We're like, I saw all these people talking about how they got vaccinated and it made me want to get it. And I talked to my grandma and whatnot. I mean, so you can do some great things online. You can obviously do some terrible things, but uh, there's value to that. People spend their time online because that's where, uh, you know, they can cater their own news and their own information diet. And, and I think that it's really, you have to be healthy, just like junk food. You don't want to have too much junk on your feed. 
And, uh, you know, I think that people like, uh, again, myself, uh, I, I've really taken it seriously and I've, I've tried to my best to not like abuse or use uh, the powers that have been given to me uh, on the online community. I just want to make sure to amplify voices that don't have a voice and also amplify the voices of our allies and at the same time structure communications for the Democratic Party where, uh, for example, our impeachment task force, which we assembled, like, you know, I think in uh, we, I had the impeach Trump campaign starting in 2017. Um, you know, people were like, are you crazy? Why are you going to push for his impeachment? And the only reason we were able to is because uh, no one could push back and say, don't do it. And we would stop. And so as that movement built or whatnot, um, we were starting to get votes as in like people would tell us, members of Congress would say, "We're yes, I'll, I'll vote yes for impeachment. And we would just go up and up and what, what I think we eventually crossed 200 and then it got really serious. Um, so these things take a while and you just have to pound it and grind it out just like everything else. There's no easy way to go viral online. There's no easy way to get work done. Um, and, I, and I think one of the things that's important about Midas Touch is that people don't know that your, your backgrounds already kind of meld into that. I, it, from what I've seen, like you've been uh, the political scene, I, at least Ben I know has a background in that and you have background uh, winning awards for videos and, and everything in the mainstream space. So I, I think it was just a great fit. It's not like you came out of nowhere. And that's what I really appreciated about that. And obviously some trusted friends were like, hey, you got to meet these guys. And I was like, I meet nobody. I talked to nobody. And then I, I opened myself up and I saw like, I think the first two videos or something, I was like, oh, this is, this is like, I got to, I got to meet these guys. And of course, Grant Stern, a uh, huge advocate of, of y'all's, and he's a big fan of Ben's and, and everybody. Um, but he really big fan of Ben's. Um, so I, I'm, you know, I, it, it's, it's an honor to be on here. I'm so happy and uh, uh, just for your success and, and everything that you'll have done. And, and just hope that you keep on pushing the envelope on everything that you're doing. Shout out to Grant Stern and the wild connection with Grant Stern is. I knew Grant back in 2013, 2014, when I was doing police brutality cases and representing victims of police shootings. And Grant had started or was leading a blog called Pinnock Photography is Not a Crime, which focused on how we need to be having body cams and videotaping police to hold them accountable. And, and just think about that. Grant was doing that in 2013. Um, and so to see kind of where everything's gone there, he's truly been ahead of his time. And he and you, in your investigative work, have really been ahead of your time in the Democratic coalition. These stories right now on foreign influence um, into the United States with Trump basically opening up America's infrastructure for sale to the highest bidder um, internationally with our enemies, um, be it the UAE, be it Russia, um, be it, you know, any of uh, it, 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 nations that have adverse interests, frankly, to the United States. You were calling this out right after the inauguration committee. You were there basically saying, hey, look what's going on there. There are funds that are missing with Tom with Tom Barrick. And so we see all of this coming full circle. Of course, Tom Barrick today um, went into court for his arraignment in the Eastern District of New York. Do you think that's just the tip of the iceberg? 
Absolutely, for sure. And I think that um, you know one of his charges was obstruction of justice. I'm pretty sure that everybody in the Trump administration has to lawyer up immediately. Now, most of them have criminal defense lawyers on because they're criminals. But uh, I, I would assume that they need to hire them immediately because it, it's a it's early on, right? Um, and they're catching up to everything. So in the timeline, I would assume that we expect more indictments. I mean, just based on the fact that um, it took a while. I remember when uh, it was before the election and we had filed the FARA uh, against uh, Flynn for being a foreign agent. And now uh, our lawyers and our team were like, you got to file this because of the Turkish and Russian connection that he has here. And he got paid money and he wasn't a registered foreign agent. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but that sounds good. Uh, and I remember we, we rushed around and we filed it and people, people were like, well, I don't know. What does this mean? Eventually, that's one of the things that he lied to the FBI about, which led to his arrest. I mean, there's a lot of little things um, where I assume, you know, it's paperwork. It, it, it turns into a PR disaster for other people. And it really does make a difference. I mean, the, the Russia report that I did that I released after the election, two days after the election, um, that it, all it was was showing 30 years of ties between Trump and Russia. And then he starts talking about collusion. We weren't talking about collusion. I was on MSNBC talking about this report. I wasn't talking about that. And so we weren't talking about the coordination, but we did report Roger Stone to the FBI uh, for working with WikiLeaks. It was a very big, broad call, but we were like, he's working with WikiLeaks and WikiLeaks is obviously a Russian operation. And, And we were the what we turned into was the opposition to WikiLeaks. We were all run by Americans and we were finding dirt and videos uh, that would, uh, you know, I, I guess kind of quell their uh, lies and call out, call them out. And we had to push back in some kind of way and it turned out to be really successful. Um, and and I, I really appreciated uh, digging in investigations, being in fundraising for so long, for over a decade, it made it so that I was able to vet people real quickly. And he was so distracting that he never, you know, people really didn't look into him, uh, you know, including like, why didn't any other journalist dig up the video I found of him in Moscow, Russia, sitting right. in a sanctioned Russian bank next to one of Putin's oligarchs talking about building a Trump Tower Moscow and building in other places and meeting with all the Russians and Russian businessmen and government that, that he was there. Like nobody had that. And I'm like, why? And it's just because the effort wasn't there. The distraction machine was there and the propaganda machine was just full fledged. Uh, and, and so that's, I, I, it really was a, a great effort. We are going back into investigations now um, but we've obviously been more focused on social media organizing over the past few years. And, and Scott, do you feel vindicated after uh, these last few years, after seeing this recent Guardian article come out, basically confirming the document from the Kremlin leak, confirming their influence over Donald Trump in the 2016 election? I mean, a- as you were saying, you've been calling this out since the very beginning, and you got a lot of pushback, especially from the Trump camp on the right, but also from people on the left who yeah. said, oh, these are conspiracies, this is crazy. But now it's all the out there in writing. Vindicated not you know handcuffs have to be involved for that to that to really sway and maybe even conviction at, at the time but uh I, I it was a very lonely island uh i'm in the halls of congress screaming at members of congress and their staff about you're not listening um you know some some people who actually were listening 
you might know Eric Swalwell. Uh, you might know uh, Adam Schiff. You might know Speaker Pelosi. I mean, these, these are people who are taking this stuff sort of seriously. Um, it, it really, it was an onslaught. Even the Russian embassy in the UK tweeted it out about me saying, hey, keep calling Putin's puppet with Leo from Leo DiCaprio from The Great Gatsby cheersing. And then I ended up being targeted in one of the more trolled accounts in, in America. Uh, I don't think not just because of that, but that was just an example of the weird kind of things going on. Um, it, it's, it's nice to see people taking it seriously now. And I'm glad that we're making an effort to fight against that. I think one of the worst things was when the Russian government was just publicly out there, you know, going against me and the coalition, uh, the United States government did not have our backs at all. People laughed at me. They did not take it seriously. Um, I had to go and hide in different points um, because of threats to my life, which I've had countless. And, and I, you know, it, I don't talk about that very often because it, it sometimes encourages more. Uh, and, and I don't like playing the fire, but there's been, you know, I mean, the most creative and disgusting death threats uh, made against me. So it does vindicate me in that way where it's like, I, you know, getting called fake news or like you're just a conspiracy theorist, that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that just drove me more to get to facts and get proof. And, and, you know, it's hard to dispute photos and videos, but they did. And they constantly would do that. But, you know, in the end, uh, even when they had Republicans on, on uh, you know, in control of our entire government, um, the public was able to pressure everybody into appointing Mueller, into having Sessions recuse himself, into us doing an investigative report on Devin Nunes and a couple hours later in in his fake refusal. Um, we were able to move the needle then. Uh, and I think we're going to be able to, to move it even further now because I think when the, the expansive truth about what really happened behind Russia, like it's, it's worse than we would ever imagine. I mean, there were people uh, that were Kremlin linked that were in the white house with Trump working there. Uh, and so that, that is obviously concerning and there's more that's going to come out about that. But even like Boris Epstein, I mean, he used to work in uh, Moscow uh, he's a Russian. And obviously there's two other Russian assets who are there, which are Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. If the resistance the past four years was resisting Trump and trying to get Trump out of office, what is the resistance now with a president Joe Biden? What does it stand for? Yeah, it's a really hard transition from resistance to leadership. And uh, it's hard to get that but I think it's still going to be the resistance and it may just entail us resisting against some things that Joe Biden's doing us, us resisting against Joe Manchin, us resisting against cinema um, in regards to the filibuster. Like these are the examples of the campaigns that we can really focus on uh, our energy and also promote these entities. And that's the hard kind of thing is it, it's not really resisting when you're promoting but you are because it's, it's the, the right thing to do. So I, I could see us, uh, I, you know, we looked at rebranding, potentially calling it something else. And, and people just are really into this, this kind of lane. And, and what we've seen, a majority of people want to keep with the resistance. Now, I don't, I think with everybody getting vaccinated, uh, there's been less focus on the efforts because we can't, also get in person. And that was a big part of the resistance and, and the efforts that we had. So I think when we get out of this COVID hole, 
you're going to see the biggest movement in the history of the United States of America uh, come out and come forward. And it's a coalition of everybody, every good person in America. Um, but I think once we get out of this kind of COVID hole, we'll be able to see that resistance come forward. Uh, but as of now, we're still the, the biggest uh, online you know, advocate for President Biden, for Speaker Pelosi and, and the Democratic Congress. Uh, you know, we're their biggest allies and supporters as well. But as you've seen lately, you know, they were talking about just doing extra committee work in regards to the investigations. And uh, without anyone kind of approval, we were like, no, no, we need a special committee. Like, and we just we pound it home. And I think online then turns the news, then turns, you know, people want to repeat that in the written because they want it to trend. Um, so, so making sure we talk about that, making sure that we have some kind of truth behind, behind everything. So it, it's, the road is really, I, I think we need to cut ourselves some slack. There was an insurrection. Uh, there was another impeachment. Um, we had a transition without a transition. Um, so they're, they're still getting their footholds in there. Right. Um, and, and so like we have a ways to go, obviously, but if you want to look down the steep hill that we've climbed, if you want to look down to like 2017, right after inauguration, when we're talking about alternative facts, um, you know, I think that was the first moment that day when I was on MSNBC sitting next to Joy and uh, we saw, I saw the clip for the first time, Kellyanne Conway saying alternative facts. And she said, so, uh, and it was the first time Joy saw it too. She's like, so, so, uh, what do you think about this, Scott? And I was like, resign, Res resign. She, she just resigned. Like this is, these lies are going to kill people. And, and I just remember saying that and nobody had a problem with it, you know, there. Obviously the White House had a huge problem with it later. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't, because it ended up sadly being true. And then what do you think will happen tomorrow uh, for the January 6th commission with law enforcement? I think it'll be the breakthrough that we needed in regards to uh, ridding of this propaganda culture. Um, I, I think there's not going to be a distraction that Republicans are going to be able to sway. I think that they're, they're going to realize that this is a um, maybe not intended to be a shock and awe moment, but when you have police officers talking about how they were assaulted, uh, racist insults and things like that, um, when you have these videos and photos and everything, the proof, uh, and you don't have their fake rebuttal. I mean, you don't have their surface on the other side. I, I think this is a bigger game changer than they ever thought. The biggest mistake that McCarthy ever made was to play uh, chicken with Speaker Pelosi because he, he, you know, he was like, oh, I'm going to call her bluff with Jim Jordan and Banks. There's no way she'll deny like these five. And then she did. And then he made the stupid decision of like, oh, well, then I take them back. She's like, all right, well, I'm going to start talking to, to Republicans. Now Kinzinger and Cheney are on board. And for all we know, my other Republicans might join as well. But it's a bipartisan committee and uh, they're not going to have, you know, the, the Trump Republican side of the party is not going to have a say in it. And, and also, I checked, they can't start a, an investigatory committee or whatnot, it would have to be like a campaign committee of sorts. And if they did, uh, I've just been reassured by a couple of different Democratic members of Congress that that would be investigated immediately as well, um, because all would be used as a propaganda outlet. You know, look at these pieces of paper we have with the congressional seal that says that this is a sham, that kind of stuff. 
And so I, I think that it's going to be bombshell after bombshell after bombshell. I mean, what do you think when, uh, you know, uh, Harry Dunn, Capitol Police officer, uh, six foot seven, 350 pounds, is going to be up there talking about how he possibly how, how he has uh, PTSD and depression and um, how people uh, threaten his life and how, you know, the day's over. He had been working 18 hours and he's sitting there uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's crying. He's laughing because it's kind of over. Uh, he can contact his uh, 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 daughter and, you know, he's trying to, to talk to her on the phone or whatnot. And he's like wiping the sweat and the tears away and on your hands. And this happened a lot of on his hands with all the orange from all the buildup of all the pepper spray, the bear spray and everything. And it's just like, he's like, I'm fine, I gotta get off here. So I mean, there'll be those kind of details that come out where the humanity is going to be reinstilled in this country. And it's on us uh, as in collectively in the resistance and elsewhere to make sure that those, that messaging comes through and it's broadcasted far and wide. But I think, it, I think this is a turning point in America. I, I really do. This is a bigger deal than, than I, I, I could ever uh, imagine for tomorrow i think it's really um, a backbreaker for the entire republican party i think you said it best there scott fighting for our humanity back and in many way you have the resistance which is framed in stopping something preventing something in this case authoritarianism the trump cult the distortion of our democracy in favor of totalitarianism. That's what we were facing. But on the other end, what you're fighting for, what we're fighting for, what everybody listening to this podcast collectively is fighting for is really just our humanity. And at the end of the day, that's bipartisan. Get the vaccine because we want you to live. Yeah. We don't want you, we don't want you to die. Um, at the end of the day, tomorrow, we support the brave Capitol Police officers and Metropolitan Police officers who stood up in the face of evil that was caught on tape. And we support peace in this country so we can all just go about our lives and go to the park. You mentioned the baseball game where you had this idea of, hey, I need to or the football game of, hey, I need to start this this entity because fascism is going to take over this country. I think we all just want to go to a game a baseball game, a basketball game, and focus on the score. And ultimately, that's why you've sacrificed, you know, your time and effort to do this. And we're grateful for your efforts there, Scott. Thanks. Yeah, we, uh, it's, it's been some fun 20-hour days for five years. I mean, you know, i got to give props to Chuck Westover. Chuck Westover is the hidden gem of the online organizing. Um, he really deserves a lot of credit. We're talking about five years, no days off, two kids, you know, wife at home and, and like constant picking up his phone. Same thing with Grant's turn as well. Uh, you know, Grant, there's a funny one. It was Christmas Day, it's 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think I found something it's before the election. And he's like, oh, he's awake. Like he's he's that he's working already. Um, and just it's just amazing to see the, the work effort. And I, I just am. Uh, I knew that I knew it was like, um, I, I don't know. I, at some point I just, I, I just, I guess I just want what's best. Like people say, Oh, why are you pushing vaccines so much? And it's exactly why what you said, like, cause I want you to live like, and I want other people to live and I stop, want, stop being a selfish 
jerk and, and, you know, think about this. And, and as I talk to more people who are unvaccinated and why, the, the reason why is, is Fox News and its affiliates and, and the, you know, it's, uh, I guess, accomplices because it, it's it really is a Fox virus. Like they have hit it so hard that all I'm hearing back from people are Fox News talking points, the Republican Party talking points. And I don't I don't know exactly where they're going to find new voters when these people are getting sick and they're dying. And I don't find any joy in that. I know some people are like, oh, well, you know, they're in this in their own. I, I refuse. I will never give up on getting people vaccinated because it's the right thing to do just in general for everything. There is a right and a wrong side of things here. If you're anti-vax, we don't care. Be quiet. At the same time, we want to make sure that we have a, a good good ending here. You know, Dorkin, thank you for joining the Midas Touch podcast. Scott Dorkin, of course, is the co-founder and executive director of the Democratic Coalition. Make sure you follow Scott Dorkin. I mean, you probably are already. Um, and check out the podcast, the Dorkin Report. If you like the Midas Touch podcast, I promise you, you will be a fan of the Dorkin Report podcast. Thanks again for joining us, Scott. Thank you for having me. And that's all I'll just say, I, I y'all are patriots and I've always got your back. And it, that was earned. That's not something that, that's like given. Y'all have been in, in the, the dirt with me and in the mud and I'll never forget that. And I'm forever thankful for you guys. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Midas Touch. I really appreciate y'all. The same with you, Scott. We are shoulder to shoulder from here until you get sick of us. We will be right back <laughs> after these messages. No, that's not What's up, Midas Mighty? Ben Micellis here, joined by my younger brothers, Brett and Jordy Micellis. Have you got your Midas merch gear? If you haven't gotten your Midas merch gear, I don't know what's taking you so long. I got my gear. Most of the Midas Mighty got their gear. We have some incredible stuff. Isn't that right, Brett? That's right. And with the new CDC guidelines that say you no longer have to wear masks indoors or outdoors if you've been vaccinated, a lot of people have been asking us, how do you let people know you've been vaccinated? How do you know if you're around other vaccinated people? A lot of people are concerned. But, you know, we already thought about this, guys. We got our Vaxxed and Relaxed merch line. You could get it now if you still want to wear masks, if you still feel comfortable wearing masks around indoors or outdoors. We got the masks. We got the tees. We got the shirts. We got it all. And we got more on the way so let people know you've been vaccinated shop at store.midastouch.com to get yours and that's not all we have we got the club democracy gear we got the shout out to the Midas mighty gear we got it all go check it out that store.midastouch.com welcome back to the Midas touch podcast dworkin dwork in the house democratic coalition a lot of you probably follow Scott Dworkin on Twitter, and that may have been the first time you've either heard him on the podcast or seen him in person. He truly is someone who has dedicated his time, passion, and commitment uh, to fighting for um, Democrats, to resisting fascism and authoritarianism, and truly does deserve a lot of credit for the digital advocacy he builds. I remember just even early on, Brett, you know, when Midas Touch would post a video if you would get a Dworkin retweet, you know, that, that would have to be earned. Oh, yeah. Dworkin retweet. And we got a lot of love from Dworkin and Dem Coalition early on, which really helped fuel their growth. So thank you so much to them. And yeah, I mean, they were kind of one of the only ones 
in this space in like 2016. And so for them to be so prescient about the importance of digital and to be on it for, for so long, I mean, we so value their friendship. We love everything they're doing. And it's really, really an honor to work with those guys. Honestly. And that's the coolest so thing for me too, Scott. He just has such a great fundamental understanding of the space. That's so fascinating when he lays it out there for you and just sort of explains it in terms that everyone can understand. Also, you know, what's cool. Like every we're stronger when we're together, right? Yep. And it's so easy when a group like us comes out from seemingly out of nowhere, right? Like we, we kind of rose pretty quickly after doing this last, last year. Everything happened kind of quick. A guy like Dworkin, who's been doing this for the past four years, could have viewed us as a threat, right? But no, he was the opposite. He was so accommodating. He helped spread our message to a wide audience. And I think that is what we need more than ever. We need, and I, you know, I think that's why the name of his group, the Democratic Coalition, is so apt. We need a coalition of pro-democracy forces to come together together. We don't need any of this infighting that you see out there. We need people to come together because our democracy is on the line and we are stronger when we are working towards the same mission together. And here's the mission. If you choose to accept, which I hope you do, because it's very simple. We need this to message going to self-destruct after 60 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I, I, well, I hope the GQP will self-destruct after <laughs> 60 seconds, um, but they're not. Um, uh, they are, as I mentioned on social media this weekend, though, they are in a death spiral. There is a reason why they have such a muddled message and why you see a lot of GQ peers who are also coming out now um, and changing their positions on things like the vaccine, which is which is good. But they're also fighting each other because they realize when you kill your voters that is bad. And that ultimately, Americans, when we're looking to decide who we're going to vote for, one of the key things is who's going to keep us alive. That's kind of the threshold on the hierarchy of needs. Survival is the threshold hierarchy before we get into these other nuanced political debates. Yeah, I'd say that's and- number one, wanting to live, I would say is certainly a number one priority for human beings. And while that could seem almost parody that somebody would be against that concept, what constantly comes out of this GQP is if I die, I'll die. If I'll die, that's what that's what was planned for me. And as Jim Acosta said, you don't have to die. Why? Why? Why do you believe you have to die right now? That's an absurd way of thinking about things. And in this this disinfo echo chamber that's been created, the very value of the living, the value of life, the value of tomorrow has been really taken away from a lot of people in their subservience to Donald Trump. Look, your stupid fucking cult leader wants to live tomorrow. When he had COVID and he almost died, he got every medication that Americans weren't given. Um, at a critical time. And but for that, he would have been killed at that time. He wants to live. He wants to live in mansions and, and drive around in sports cars and private jets off of the money he grifts and steals from you. That's what he wants to do. We want to just encourage you to live. We want to encourage your families to prosper. And we just want to have civil, humane, 
discourse and not have to deal with just crazy shit. So I think we're going to win in 2022. I, I truly do. I think we're going to hold on to the House. And in fact, I think we're going to make gains in the House because people look at this this GQP party and go, uh, 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 they're crazy. And their voters don't even believe in voting anymore. So it's a combination of those factors that's going to be helpful. But let's not lose our spirit. And we need groups like the Democratic Coalition. We need you out there exposing these GQP crazy people because you got people like Wendy Rogers. This is what she took time to tweet over the weekend. While most Americans were focused on what can we do with our how do we have a great weekend with our family? How do we maximize the time spent with them on this weekend as we start nearing the end of of the summer? This Arizona State Senator Wendy Rogers writes the following, tweets it out. I like Indians and I like Redskins. I like Aunt Jemima and I like Uncle Ben. I like Robert E. Lee and I like Stonewall Jackson. I don't like traitors who hate America. Stand up for our culture. Now, just pause. Pause. She took time out of her day to write that thought. That thought crossed her mind. I mean, crosses her mind every second. She's as racist as as you can be and as big of a traitor as you can be. But she goes, this is the message I want to put out over the weekend. Like, not like have a great weekend or like what water sports are you playing this weekend? Or, you know, it's a beautiful day outside or like, Hey, what's going on? Or, or like, Hey, let's come together for unity. Let's, let's, let's make sure we're safe from foreign adversaries. No, she writes, I like Indians and I like Redskins. That sounds like a racist five-year-old ranting and raving. And maybe there's a small group of Americans who look up to that and go, yeah, it's part of the, you know, that, that fascist weirdo cosplay, you know, thread in America, but that's not where most Americans are. But break it down. She's basically saying, I like Indians, I like Redskins, I like Aunt Jemima, and I like Uncle Ben. I'm a racist, and I like racist depictions, and I don't want to see racist depictions leave, and I support racism. I'm a white supremacist is what she's saying. I like Robert E. Lee, and I like Stonewall Jackson. She likes Confederate generals who were actual traitors who tried to destroy (laughs) the United States of America. That's what she's saying she likes there. Then she goes, I don't like traitors who hate America, stand up for our culture. And she's saying there she doesn't like people who actually truly support what America stands for and stand up for our culture goes back to what we were saying, which is for them, the culture has become root against America. That's how you are a patriot to them by rooting against the country and supporting authoritarianism in our country. And that's why. We at Midas Touch are fighting every day. We so appreciate the groups like the Democratic Coalition, the other great digital groups that support us. We are in awe of the works of the Stacey Abrams and others like her who are on the ground within their states fighting for the rights of voters. We're so grateful for lawyers, academics out there who are fighting for voting rights and against voter suppression. We stand with the Texas Democrats who have taken a courageous stand for democracy and against voter suppression. And of course, we at Midas Touch root for the United States. We root for our country to thrive. 
I want to see the women's team get the gold medal. I want to see all American teams get the gold medal. The fact that some people in America will boo the American Olympic team, will support the Taliban, will support the bin Ladens, and will not investigate an insurrection and wonder why we call them the GQP, wonder why they're called traitors. What they need to know is what they represent is the antithesis of what America is all about. We will continue this fight together every single day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Midas Touch podcast. For those watching on Midas Touch Live, we hope you like this Midas Touch Live format as well. And we'll see you later this week for more Midas Touch podcasts. Shout out to the Midas Midas!